Well, good morning. We're glad you're here with us. We are excited uh, to continue our series called What Do You See? And our friend Paul Lee is uh, here with us this morning. A couple of things before he comes up. One, apparently it's Nikki's birthday today as well. And so we want to wish her happy birthday. Everyone else who's had birthdays this week, I think the greatest birthday present for Nikki probably was that four kids graduated at the same time. So that's fantastic. We're excited for all our graduates and all that have worked hard and have persevered through a difficult time um, of their senior year. Uh, But it is going to continue to make all that they do from this point forward uh, beautiful and wonderful, and they will never forget their senior year. So uh, congratulations to all our graduates. We're excited for you. And we are excited in two weeks. Now, we're not planning to bump the the time again. on July, I believe that's the 12th, um, that's, we're going to be here in the building. And uh, so we're going to take some, some additional precautions. We're going to share those with you next week. Uh, it's going to be a great time to be together. We're going to have some overflow space in the event hall. If you've got kids, um, you are welcome to be here. Um, we're not going to have kids ministry, but you're welcome to be here as a family. And, we're, and we'll have a couple of locations um, that you can sit with your family and you can see others. We're also going to have some ways just to identify uh, how do we, how do we um, socially distance uh, and yet show people we miss them. Um, so we've got some, some answers and some solutions to that problem as well, and we'll share that all with you next week too. This is our third week in our series called What Do You See? And as we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks, we are in the midst of really a global outcry against oppression. Now, how do we understand that? What does that mean for us? What about uh, those who believe, you know, I, I, I have not been part of the problem. How, can I be a part of the solution? Um, and, and how do we understand some of the systems in which we live, some of the systems in which we function, and, and maybe some of the systems we're not even aware of? that people have to deal with within their lives. And we've heard from two uh, great men who have uh, been with us so far, Pastor Troy Brand, and last week we had Pastor Marcellus Barnes. Um, and we anticipate continued relationships with them and continually growing in friendships and um, just learning from each other and how we can move forward. I'm going to ask my friend Paul Lee to come up and be with us today. Paul is a retired police officer, and uh, he is also... The executive director, is that right, right. of, of the, uh, the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers, and also, I guess, is, is are you a member of Cop Church as well? I am. Okay, so am. I'm going to let him describe all of those things, <laughs> but we've asked him to come and share with us a, a side of the conversation that is all over the news today, and that is the gospel and policing. What are some things we need to consider and we need to be aware of, and how do we as followers of Jesus not only uh, be a, a good representation of who Christ is, but how do we love all people? How do we love um, those who may may be experiencing oppression in some way? How do we love our police who are under fire daily right now? And how do we understand all of these systems together as it relates to the gospel? And so we asked Paul if he would come and share, because I know he loved Jesus. Uh, and he's going to, I'm sure, share some of his testimony of how Jesus mm-hmm. has changed him, even as he was a police officer. Yeah. And that's going to be incredible for us to hear. And then, as always, we're going to come back after, and we're going to just talk with him. So if you have some questions, if you'd like to submit some questions through Facebook, if you're on YouTube Live, uh, we are following the comments to the best we can on Facebook Live. 
live. So if you want to submit some questions there, we'll take those. We'll ask those of him, and then Scott and I will, will join him on stage in just a few minutes. But until then, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you for being with us. It's an well, honor to you. have you with us, and we look forward to hearing from you. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The, the honor and privilege is, is actually mine to be able to have the opportunity to speak to you, Journey Church. And I'm going to put a plug in for Journey Church for anyone that lives in the Red Bank, Tennessee area or uh, the Mountain Creek Road, Signal Mountain Boulevard area for Journey Church because this is a neat place. And as soon as they open the doors back up, I encourage you, if you don't have a church, to be sure and come here and visit them. They didn't pay me to do that. I just I just did because I know the guys here and uh, uh, sitting, getting to tour around the building here and this is a place where I used to come and watch dollar movies so it's a really neat environment here and you really should come and, and join in uh, I'm not a preacher so I'm not going to preach to you uh, I'm going to have a conversation with you and I'm going to tell you some things that you probably don't know I'm going to first take you inside police world with some statistics that uh, I'm pretty sure you you don't know about and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers and, and what we do. And uh, then I'm going to tell you a little bit about me and why I think this ministry is so important. And you know, then we'll, we'll entertain your questions, any questions that you have. Throw them at me. And I uh, can't promise that I'll, I'll have an answer, but we'll try. Uh, first of all, police world. Everybody thinks they know about police world. They watch it on TV. You know, cops all have it together. Did you know that 75% of all married law enforcement officers in this country have been divorced at least one time? Did you know that 40% of all law enforcement officers in this country have been involved in or are involved in some form of domestic violence? Now, I don't mean that they're... They're beating their spouse or their partner. But when they come home, it's, a, it's just a normal world. But they've spent their day handling everybody else's problems. They see things that you will never see, I hope. And when they come home, they're wound up really tight. But guess what? They forgot to take the trash out. They need to watch the kids because the wife needs to, a break, literally. The yard needs to be mowed. Oh, by the way... The refrigerator quit working. Uh, Johnny needs braces, and I don't know how we're going to pay for it. And this continues until something awful comes out of that officer's mouth that he regrets. And that's abuse. It's not an abuse you get arrested for, you know, but it is an abuse on your family. And if it continues, you end up coming home to a quiet house because no one will speak to you because they're afraid of you. Did you know that... 25% of all law enforcement in this country abuse alcohol and prescription drugs to self-medicate. Did you know that the suicide rate for law enforcement is greater than our line of duty death rate every year? Last year we had 146 officers killed in the line of duty we had over 200 suicides that we know of, some we don't know of. If it's a retired law enforcement officer that's moved away and and he or she commits suicide, it just goes down as a suicide. Nobody really knows. 
but we're killing ourselves at a greater rate than the bad guys are. And that's where the, the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers comes in. The Fellowship of, of Christian Peace Officers is a Christian organization. We're a national organization. And what we do is minister to the spiritual and emotional needs of law enforcement officers all across this country. We have 255 chapters around the nation. And here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, this is our national office right here. And we do that uh, in several ways. You know, what we're concerned with uh, are basically three things in a law enforcement officer's life. We're, we're considered with his personal spiritual growth. We're concerned with his family spiritual growth. And then his group or community spiritual growth. We believe all these things have to go in together. In fact, our uh, mission statement says that through our active local chapters, we create a Christian mindset in law enforcement to transform their lives, families, and communities. See, we believe that if we're not using biblical truths to operate by daily, we have to ask ourselves, whose truth are we using? Are we using the media's truth? Are we using misguided politicians or administrators' truth? Are we using uh, public truth? Whose truth are we using? And if we're using any of those truths, those truths can change at the drop of a hat. Biblical truth doesn't change. It doesn't change at all. So when we look at, at our personal spiritual growth, when you become a member of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers, we give you something called a one-year Bible so you can start digging into God's Word, reading it every day, and if you do read it every day like it's laid out to do, in a year's time you will have read through the entire Bible. And we believe this is important. If God wrote the Bible, everything in it's important. Don't just pick and choose what you want to out of it. Read the whole thing because it's important. We're also working right now with the Navigators First Responders Ministry to create a field training officer program, a discipleship program, where we can minister to each other one-on-one -on -one and learn how to do that 24 hours a day. We also provide all of our members with a, a Right Now Media. Now, I don't know if everybody knows what Right Now Media is, but you can only get this through your churches or through an organization like us but it is the Netflix of video Bible studies, and it's for the entire family. You can watch this on any electronic platform that you have, from your, your smartphone, your computer, all the way to your TV, and it goes from Veggie Tales all the way to breaking down the books of the Bible and everything in between. Anything you could imagine is in Right Now Media, and we provide that to all of our members and their families so they can use that to stay connected and if they're having problems in, in an area, if they're having marital problems, there's stuff there for that. If they're having problems with their children, there's stuff there with that. There's all sorts of things in there that will help minister to these officers and their families individually. But we're also concerned about the family spiritual growth. Uh, our chapters around the country have the ability, if they wanted to host a marriage conference, that we'll work with them to host a marriage conference in whatever city that they're in. These are important. Whether you're law enforcement or not, if you're married, you should do everything you can 
to try to attend some sort of a marriage conference, a biblical marriage conference, at least every other year. Even if things are going great, they could be improved. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, we also offer biblically-based financial training. We can work with chapters to get them financial training that's biblically-based so that they can get their finances straightened out. When a police officer's finances start going south and they start getting in debt and they start uh, having debt to pay, then the next thing you know, that police officer is working overtime, he's working uh, other jobs, he's doing everything he can to pay for these debts that he's got, and at the same time, he's not home. So then that becomes a problem because he's never home, but if he comes home, then he can't pay the debts, and one thing you see starts spiraling into another, and you see why there's a 75% divorce rate. But we also encourage fellowships. We encourage the chapters to have family fellowships where everybody comes together, and you just come together and fellowship and just be together as a group. And this is where we invite other law enforcement officers to come in too that may not be members. Then with our group spiritual growth, we're really concerned with leadership development. And we've partnered with another Christian organization called Point Man Leadership Institute. And they provide what I believe is some of the finest law enforcement officer leadership training in the country. And we can help chapters provide that for their entire departments. Uh, there's a lot of secular police organizations out there. They're very good organizations, and they take care of their members very well. But that's what they're designed to do is to take care of their members. The Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers takes care of everyone. We're not just taking care of our members. In fact, we want our membership to go take care of other officers that are in need. If they have needs or, or uh, problems, we're able to go in. You know, if for some reason an officer is injured, maybe he needs a handicap ramp, our chapters can raise the money and go and build that handicap ramp. You know, we encourage them to do things like that. And if there's no one inside the department to minister to, we encourage them to look outside into the community. What does the community need? Can you take care of a community need? Then go as a group and take care of that community need as Christian police officers. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about why I serve and why this ministry means so much to me. Those statistics that I give you at the first, the 75% divorce rate, the 40%, the 25%, that was, that was me. That was me in the first part of my career. And it was all because I was trying to do this job in my own strength. And to tell you the truth, I just wasn't strong enough to do it. And it was, it was breaking me apart. And through a lot of God-ordained circumstances, including the death of my mother, uh, God dropped me to my knees on October 16, 1995. And uh, I knew exactly what was happening. I knew I was under conviction. I had enough church in me to know right from wrong and knew the stuff that I'd been doing was wrong. And God just convicted me. And I was so broken. I told God three things. I told him I give up. I know what giving up is. People give up to me when I was a police officer. I told him I surrender. I understand surrender. 
people have surrendered to me, I would put the handcuffs on them. They would go where I say go. They would sit where I said sit. They would stand when I say stand. They had no longer had any control over their life. So I told God I surrendered to him. And I told him I throw in the towel, the boxing term, where a fighter has stood there and he has taken such a beating and he just won't go down. And his manager throws in the towel to stop the fight before he's seriously hurt. And I couldn't take another punch. And I asked God at that moment to forgive me of all my sins. And you know what he did? That very second, that instant that I said that, my Lord, my God, my Savior forgave me. He forgave me of every sin that I had ever committed. And when I stood up, I was a new man. I was such a new man, and things had changed so much in me that other officers that I'd known for years started asking me, what happened to you? Of course, I would tell them. And needless to say, word spread real fast. Don't ask Paul that because he will tell you. You know, just, just don't do that. You know, he's changed. But I was changed. I was totally changed. Shortly after, I was introduced to the local chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers here in Chattanooga. And it was through that group that I was discipled and taught what the Bible says. We were challenged to read through the Bible in a year. That's why that's so important to me. That's why we give every member a one-year Bible because we went out and got those one-year Bibles. And we actually started on January 1 and December 31st, we had read through the entire Bible. Now, at that time, we couldn't have told you what we read, but we had read it from cover to cover. Not many people have ever done that. But then it was January 1 again, so we decided to do it again. And we're still doing it, even as old as we are now. You know, the guys that were in the chapter then, you know, they're pretty much still doing it. And when we get together and when we talk, we still talk about Scripture because we're all on the same page. But Lord willing, this December 31st will mark my 24th year of reading through God's Word cover to cover. That's not a brag. It became a spiritual discipline because I fed off of it. I, I, all of a sudden, I understood, you know, what it was to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the, when I read the Scriptures, they talked to me, and they showed me all of my sin sin that I didn't want to do anymore. See, I wasn't reading it so I could run around and preach to people. I was reading it to fix Paul Lee. That's why I read it. And then when I walk out into the community, hopefully I can set an, uh, an example for Christ. But that's why we give that Bible to every member. It is that important. The more you read it, the more it comes alive. The more it comes alive, it speaks to you as an individual. But that's why I love the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers so much. And to show you how God can do some miraculous things. One, he saved me. But then he showed me this wonderful ministry. And then the next thing you know, I'm the head of the local chapter here in Chattanooga. And then I'm asked to be on the National Board of Directors, where I served for many years in different positions. And now look. I sit as the executive director of this national ministry. And we serve a wonderful God. 
And if we surrender ourselves to him, he will use us. And that's so important in the lives of police officers. Because our best guess, and it's just a guess because there are no statistics out there. I've looked. I even checked with the Barna Group, and they told me for about $90,000 they would do a study for me. And I told them, thank you. I would just stick with my best guess. We, we talk to police officers all across the country. And when we ask them, well, how many, how many officers do you think in your department would be what we consider followers of Jesus Christ? In other words, they live their lives daily like Jesus would have them live. And in the standard answer, no matter who it is, I've never got another answer any different than this, is, oh, about 10%. So I'll talk longer and come to find out it's not 10%. Because most of the time they can't even name 10 people that they know that are believers. So we have to cut that 10% maybe down to 5%. But even if you cut it down to that 5%, now we're talking about regular church goers, you know, guys that will go to church every time they can, but when they come to work, they don't act any different than the lost cops. So we're probably going to have to cut that down a little bit too. And when you get down to it, we're looking at about 3% of anywhere from 500,000 to a million local, state, and federal law enforcement officers in this country, 3%, that we would consider born-again followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, they live their lives daily for Jesus. There's no different in their Saturday or Sunday walk as there is their Monday through Friday walk. And that's not very much. So you see why our ministry is so important. When we present the gospel, it's not because we think people are bad. When we tell other officers about Jesus, it's not because we think they're bad or, or anything like that. We love them. They're our family. And if they die, they go to hell. We love them enough to tell them about the saving power of Jesus Christ. It's not because we think bad. It's because we love them so much. And here we, we sit in a time of crisis in our country where everything is divided. It doesn't seem like it's divided. You see the real thing. It's divided. We look at, we look at the politics, Republicans and Democrats. They're at each other's throat, divided. When the country was set up, they were to be divided for a reason, but they were to work together for the good of the country. But now it seems like it's about winning. But if we look inside those parties, the Republican and Democrat Party, there's division inside of them. So we've got division inside the parties that are divided. But that's not the only ones. Let's roll down to the church. Today's Sunday. It is the most segregated day of the week in our country. We have the white church, the black church, the Asian church, uh, the Latino church, and we can just start naming them off. And we hadn't even got to denominations yet. The church is divided, just like the politics. And then we get down to us. We get down to looking in the streets, and we have law enforcement on one side, and we have protesters and rioters on the other. 
there are truly God-fearing, born-again Christians in law enforcement standing over here. And there are truly born-again Christian protesters over here. And look what Satan's done. He's divided us. Ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that we have in common is Jesus. That is the common denominator and his shed blood on the cross. This is where all of us as believers can come together. Will we be the same? Absolutely not. We weren't, we weren't designed by God to be the same. We're different. But we can be one in Jesus Christ. And that is the position that we should all be locked armed about. We ought to be able to stand up as the church, not a denomination, but as the church of Jesus Christ. And we ought to be able to call out sin where we see it. That's wrong, and that's wrong. Don't do that. That's sin. We ought to be able to lock arms and do that. And the reason we can't do that is because Satan has separated everything. Everything. Think about what we've gone through. Since just January, we had COVID-19 come in, and we got isolated and quarantined. And we were fed a daily diet of fear and anxiety till we were just we were just ready to explode. We just wanted to get out, but you couldn't get away from it because if you turn on the TV, it's there. If you look on the computer, it's there. You look on your phone, Facebook, Twitter, it's all there. Oh, we're all going to die. But then... On May 25th, George Floyd died in the hands of police officers. And our world exploded. And all of a sudden, COVID-19 wasn't a problem, it seemed like. But every law enforcement officer in this country was. It happened just that fast. And nothing, nothing has changed that. You know, we're still battling that. But you can't tell me that there's not like-minded people on either side. It's those like-minded people that have to come together. And I'm going to tell you something. When we start thinking about the problems of the nation and the things that we're going through, those problems are this big. They're this big. And we start thinking about them, and there is absolutely no way that we can fix this. We can't fix this, so I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to do nothing. And that's what the devil wants you to do. Sit there and do nothing. But for just a second, I, I want us to draw in. Let, let's draw in. This, this is the, the huge problem. But, but let's try to draw in. Let's, let's try to focus on something. If I was to ask you how many races are in the world, we would come up with just all kinds of different answers. But I want to suggest to you today that we only have one race, and that's the human race. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Both male and female, he created them. There's not a human being, past, present, or future, on the face of this earth that God has not put his image in. There's not one. And that's the way we need to be looking at people. But not only is there one race, 
what if I ask you how many different kinds of people are there in the world? I mean, think about it. There's tall people, short people, fat people, skinny people. There's healthy people, unhealthy people. As police officers, we can really put people in a box. You know, we've got thieves, drug dealers, prostitutes. I mean, we can really start putting people in a box. There's all kinds of people in our world. But let me suggest to you there's only two really kinds of people in the world. There's lost and there's saved. And as believers, we need to be concerned about the lost, no matter who they are or where they are. That should be our primary concern. Otherwise, they stay lost. If we don't take them the message, who will? And in the law enforcement profession, you have to tell me another ministry, and I'm calling it a ministry and a mission field in the world, like it. What other mission field in the world can you pick up the phone and dial 911 and have somebody dispatched to minister to you at the worst time of your life than law enforcement? We're there before the fire department or the EMTs. We get there first. And if that officer is not trained, if he's not discipled in Christ, then you get old Paul that's answering your call as opposed to Paul now. You see, when God saved me, he gave me my compassion back, which was really rough because it was gone. And people say, you know, Paul, you are racist. I was an equal opportunity hater. I hated everybody. You know, I, I didn't like bad guys. Victims got to the point where they irritated me because they let themselves be victims. So they irritated me. I didn't like the church because I never saw the church anywhere I was except if they wanted to come out and complain about the police. And I always wondered when I'd work high crime areas, you know, where's the church? Where is the church? Why aren't you in here doing something? But it was after I got saved that I realized that God had put me in there on that mission field, and I failed. And that's my burden to carry. Thankfully, God has forgiven me for that too. But that's why I'm so passionate about this ministry and what I'm saying. Because I don't want anybody to have the experiences that I've dealt with. God's let me have those experiences. He's kept me safe. But he's done it for this reason so I can be here now speaking to you. And law enforcement officers, they're human. You know, sometimes we forget that. It's easy to forget, especially when you watch police shows on TV and, you know, how, oh, they just run and fight. And they, the police officers now on TV have become, to me, just the better bad guys. Because if you watch the shows, the police officers do things that aren't right, but they do it for the right reason. Well, that's a lie from hell. You can't do the wrong thing for the right reasons. It doesn't work. We have to do the right thing as law enforcement. We have to do it better and cleaner than everybody else, especially as Christians in law enforcement, because we may be the only Christ example that the men and women that we work with ever see 
or the people that we have to deal with ever see. You see, if you look at TV and the TV shows, you think it's running and gunning all day long, and it's not. Most of a police officer's career is spent dealing with hurting, broken, miserable people that just need some help. That's what we deal with. And without Christ, I wasn't very good at dealing with people that way. With Christ, it changed everything. As I read through his scripture, it changed everything. It revolutionized everything that I did as a police officer. And it did not hinder at all what I did as a police officer. People that needed to go to jail still went to jail. People that needed tickets still got tickets. It didn't change a thing except how I treated and responded to people because I started seeing them through the eyes of Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. You know, we're, as believers, we're supposed to be unified in Christ. We should have Christian unity. Here in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is talking and he's talking about the Jew and the Gentile being reconciled through Christ. And we can look at that today as the same thing, you know, whether it's law enforcement in the community being reconciled together in Christ because that's the only way reconciliation can come. And you know, we can try to make peace treaties all we want to, but peace treaties usually don't last. But if we reconcile in Christ, if we share with each other, in Christ, if we work to get to know each other in Christ, then everything's different because now we have friends on all sides. Paul writes, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both, have access to the Father by one spirit. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I would ask you to pray for law enforcement. They do have a tough job. And right now, I have never seen what I'm seeing now. In my career, I have had to deal with upset politicians. I've had to deal with upset neighborhoods, communities. I've had to deal with upset media, with upset uh, administrations. But never has that occurred all at the same time like it is right now. Because I hear things from police officers. There's, there's just There's nowhere they can turn. They can't, the politicians don't want anything to do with them. The community doesn't want anything to do with them. 
everything they do is wrong. We have DAs that are, that are indicting police officers before investigations are even complete. The incident up there with Mr. Floyd, those officers were fired, arrested, they're in jail, they're going to be prosecuted. It all happened very quickly, but it didn't seem to matter. And they have nowhere to turn. And it's my prayer that right now they will turn to Christ. Christ is their only hope. Christ is your only hope. Christ is our only hope. People tell me all the time, Paul, you think Jesus is just the answer to everything? And I respond with, yes, he is. He really, really is. So, Pastor Mark, if you want to come up and we can start taking some questions. Uh, and let me, as you come up, I, I want to pray here for, for our men and women in blue, but I want to pray for our nation also because our nation has gotten away from Christ and until we turn back to Christ and we unify as believers I really don't see what's going on now ever healing because it hasn't before so Father God Lord I pray for the men and women out there in law enforcement I pray for their salvations Lord I pray for those that are that do belong to you, that you would give them strength and boldness and courage to stand firm for you, to be that example to both their brothers and sisters in blue and to the people that they have to deal with, no matter what the circumstances, Father. May there be something different in them that people can see. And God, I pray for our nation. I pray for our nation as a whole, Lord, that we would come to you in total surrender, we would give ourselves to you, that we would repent of all this foolish sin that we're so caught up in, the anger, the rage, the hostility. Father, that's, that's from the devil. We know that. That's not from you. So, Father God, I pray now that our nation would repent and turn back to you. And, Father, as we, as we close this, this gap down on one humanity on two kinds of people lost and saved father may we also narrow it down to look at where we are as individuals that's our mission field that's the only area of influence we can have anything to do with we can have any input we can't have input anywhere else so father use us exactly where we are to impact others for you. And may this have a ripple effect that would wash over our nation. I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Paul, thank you. That was powerful. And we appreciate you sharing your testimony. Um, that in and of itself is powerful. Well, what God has you. done not only in your life but in, in our lives and that is offered and open to anyone. Um, I think one of the things that's helpful and some of the comments we've already seen this morning is the fact that unless you are a police officer or you uh, grow up in a police officer's home, are married to one, have someone in your family or a close friend, you really don't know what it's like. And I'm guessing even if even friends probably 
don't know um, everything. Yeah, you're you're exactly right there, and and I've been guilty, and and cops get guilty. We get a chip on our shoulder, and and you know when we get together, we'll just oh, nobody cares, nobody cares. Well, in actuality, and cops just hold on. You're not supposed to. You see, when, when you see that emblem, that thin blue line, and, and you see that everywhere, and, and, of course, the media calls that a code of silence. Right. Well, it's not a code of silence. That is the thin blue line of law enforcement in this country that actually separates chaos from civility. Mm-hmm. And as Christians in law enforcement, we understand that all that chaos, all that evil, all the problems of this nation that will have to be dealt with come from Satan. So they stand that thin blue line and absorb everything Satan can throw at them seven days a week. They absorb it, and they absorb it and deal with it so it doesn't slip over right. into the public side. Because you're not supposed to care about us. You're supposed to live your lives. You're supposed to be able to go to the movies, go to church, go shopping. What is, you just go. Take your family out. You yeah. have fun. You are the guys that enable us to do all those things for you. Yeah. That's something I think we overlook often. Yeah. But it's our job to care about you. And because of, of the way things have been, you know, thrown out on the media and things like that, we, we've lost that. Yeah. We, we've, yeah. we've just lost that. Let me tell you, I have worked with Kyle Bum, some of the most honorable, courageous men and women that anyone would ever know. And no one here in the seat or anything will ever know what they've done this side of heaven. And they've done some pretty miraculous things to make sure everybody stays safe. You know, I have to say in this county, in Hamilton County, Tennessee, the Chattanooga Police Department, the Hamilton County Sheriff's Department, Red Bank, East Ridge, Saudi Daisy, Signal Mountain, Lookout Mountain, these are great. College Dale are great police departments. They're well-trained men and women, and they have good leadership. It's it's not what you would see on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I think, Paul, that goes back to a lot of what you were saying earlier is, you know, we're expecting to hold these guys to a standard that, you know, would require Jesus himself on the streets. And we Pretty know much. That, that many of these officers aren't, aren't believers. And the ones that are, I'm sure, struggle with the things. But um, this gets to some of our questions sure. along those lines. You talked about the thin blue line. Uh, Nikki Murphy, Murphy asks, how do we address the policing organizations in this country that are consistently failing to police themselves. What forms of structural change do you think are needed? Well, to answer that question, I would probably have to know what police department you're talking about because it's been my experience that they do police themselves. In fact, uh, there was a time here in Chattanooga we had a a civilian review committee uh, that uh, worked with internal affairs. And on that civilian review committee was a man, he was a pastor here in town, named Lamar Moore. And uh, Lamar Moore was my predecessor. He was, the, he was the executive director of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. He was a retired pastor from here in, in Chattanooga. And uh, he passed away. That's what elevated me here. But Lamar was also on that committee. But long before he's ever part of FCPO, he was chosen to be on that committee. And uh, as he and I would travel the country doing things for FCPO, 
he told me, he said, you guys are far harder on yourselves than the public ever would be. He said, there were times where cases would come through internal affairs, and all the cases aren't public. But there would be cases come through, and we would be ready off with their heads, get rid of them, fire them. And he would go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. They just messed up. They just made a mistake. Give them a chance. You know, train them, teach them, mm-hmm. but give them a chance to come back. And we're far harder on ourselves than, than anybody would ever realize. The media will make you think that, that we're not, but that's not true. I think it's, Mark, what were the statistics we were looking at? Of, I think it was the city of Chattanooga Police Department had 700,000 encounters with citizens and yeah. 19 complaints of of a violent right. encounter, 19 out of 700,000. Yeah. Now, how many of those 700,000 other encounters did you hear on the news? None. 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 Yeah, and that, so that was from our town hall call that we did a couple of weeks ago, and those numbers were from Chief Roddy, and that, that the Chattanooga police had 700,000 Official and a non-official. So anything the police did for anything with anybody, <laughs> um, 700,000. Um, the, the officers reported, self-reported, I believe, 305 um, uses of force. So of those 700,000 encounters, they came back and said we had to use force in 305 of them. And of those 305 in which force was reported to be used, 19 complaints were made of excessive force. And some of them, you know, now, of course, with video, with body cams and all that, uh, we had a conversation about that this week. Um, So we're all experts now, (laughs) right? Right. We're all experts on exactly what happened. Like, I watched it on Facebook. I've already mastered the COVID stuff, so now I'm moving into law enforcement (laughs) is my expertise. And so I've watched this 15-second clip, and I understand, and I know what needs to be done. That's the world we live in. Yeah, you have a little different take on that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different. It, it's a little bit different, you know. In that 15 seconds, uh, you know, we're trained in the use of force. We have a use of force continuum. Now, I've been retired for 15 years, so you know things I'm sure have changed, but it's still there. Right. Use of force continuum, and we're trained to use the minimum force necessary. Mm-hmm. to place someone in custody. What we're seeing now, and and it's hard to say things like this because if you don't, if you if you're not in police world, if you've never been through a citizens academy or anything like this, you go what? Mm-hmm. But we're trained to use the minimum force. When we see officers trying to take somebody into custody, and we see that person start to fight, and they break away, and they run away, and then there's chasing. He used less force than he needed to try to put that person in, into custody. And the reason that's happening is because of the media mm-hmm. now and that they're always doing everything wrong. And we have officers getting hurt because they are using less force when they should be using more force, you know. And uh, so, and then it's ended up very poorly mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm afterwards after something like that happens yeah, i think the the public argument that you so often see is well he couldn't possibly harm anybody he's got handcuffs on right. so you should, so what do you do in those cases i mean do you just let him run through the neighborhood then and hope you find him later i mean what what would be the answer to those type of questions well 
the answer to that question is that police officer is there to protect the public. And for whatever reason, he's arresting somebody. When that person fights the police to get away, do you think he's going to care what he does to you to continue to get away? Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that, that go through a police officer's mind. I mean, in a split second. And these are things they think about constantly. They think about while they're riding around in their cars. They think about when they're home. They think about when they watch stuff on the news. You know, how could I have done this different? They're constantly reevaluating themselves and what they could do better. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I really, they have a job to do, and that's to protect the public. Mm -hmm. And I think they do a pretty good job of it. And, yes, I, I'm not the guy that, that takes up for, for every cop out there. There's bad stuff. There's bad guys. There's bad cops. There's criminal cops. Yeah, we know it. You can't have 500,000 individuals and not have some bad eggs in there. I don't care what your process is to hire. They get in. Look at look at, look at the pastors. You know? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, now he's starting to meddle. Now we're going to have to uh, cut yeah. to a commercial. Cut, cut to a commercial. Yeah. But, I mean, in, here in Hamilton County, we had a sheriff that fell to corruption and got put in jail. Yeah, so, I mean, right. everybody's not perfect in, in the, not. any more than, than we are. We have pastors that get convicted of you know, some of the same things you're talking about, domestic abuse, yeah. child abuse, all these things, you know, happen. It happens to pastors because, like you said, the overarching thing is we're all sinners. That's right. Yeah. And we That's all right. don't meet the standards that we should be meeting. Without Christ, it's impossible. And so we're often trying to meet those standards without having the enabler that helps us meet them. Yeah. Right. One yeah. of the things, Paul, I've appreciate, appreciated about you, and just uh, so you all know how I, I know Paul, Paul has also been involved with Kingdom Partners yeah. and came to several of our, uh, we we were doing lunches, still would be doing them yeah. if it's not for all the coronavirus stuff where people can come and have just a good conversation about race. And it, you can come and you can be as informed or ignorant as possible, but it's a place to learn and to grow and to listen. And, um, and so the same conversations that happen on social media and in the news sometimes happen in, in these lunches. And uh, but you always you you always struck me as someone you stood up very strong for the integrity of of the idea of what the police are there to do, which you shared some today. And you also were able to push back on rhetoric or um, maybe common things we hear in the media that just aren't true. Um, but at the end of all that, your push to say, listen, we are not all perfect. Yeah. yeah. There are all cops are not great cops. That's right. You know, but there's a that common denominator that you share is we we are all either lost or we are found. We that's are right. lost or saved. It's, that's where we are. And um, but you shared with us, which again is something that that we should understand. And I, I want to push back on one thing you said, but we should understand. You you said this on our call this week. The police officer uh, has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what's expected. Because if he's not or she is not perfect, they either lose their job or they lose their life yeah. or somebody loses their life, yeah. which is something that that none of us really, you know, we may feel that we have to be perfect, but I, that my, nothing in my daily routine has the same consequences for my imperfection. Yeah. 
which is something that I think is one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this during this series is we have to recognize, yeah, there are, there are some people that, that need to be rooted out, but there are some really wonderful people There's on the police force people, as well. Yeah. And, and what they provide us, we are so accustomed to it that like when we call to disband police, which is what's happening in, in Minneapolis, really have no context for what that would mean for the public at large. Maybe we see a, a picture of what's going on in Seattle, which, you know, people, people of all races are, are, are hurting terribly mm-hmm. in, a, in a, a kind of a, a gang-led, um, you know, situation where you kind of have a warlord who's kind of policing and, but it's policing all against what they want, mm-hmm. not necessarily what's best for the communities. So I, I also found interesting that cops often get, you know, get condemned for violence and using weapons. I didn't see any people without weapons in Chaz or Chop or whatever that you yeah, call it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting that we have a, a very much a double standard when it applies to me versus it applies to, to the police officers. The, the thing I would push back against, and I know, which, I know exactly what you meant, but we as we as followers of Christ, we you said it, we're not supposed to care yeah. about the police officers, but they're our neighbors. I, my neighbor across the street is a police officer. We have one of our our young families in our church, brand new officer, and and we should care because much of the life that we live, the freedom to go out, that we, we go in and we buy something and we walk out to our cars and we get in our cars and we take it home and it's not, you know, nobody pulls up and rips it out of our hand or, or whatever. Uh, that is something that as the church, and this is something you've shared as well, as the church, we have to be focused on being the best examples of, of following Christ as possible. And that means that we care for those who are hurting and the statistics that you shared in the beginning means that many of our police officers in our communities, in our neighborhoods, that aren't making a lot of money. Not a lot. That it's not like they're they're laughing all the way to the bank. No. I'm I'm killing good guys on the street, and now I'm getting rich and taking it to the bank, which well, is what some people may le- want may want to lead that, us to believe. It's not true. And but it is it, as the church, it is it is our place. It is our role to love people no matter who they are or where they are and to care and especially those who put themselves at risk for us. On the other hand, and kind of coming to Nikki's question, and which is also echoed somewhat by Pastor Barnes and, and Pastor Brand, who neither are proponents for defunding or disbanding the police, However, are for increased accountability when something goes wrong. Can you speak to that just for a minute in whatever way you want to? What happens when something goes wrong? What do you think goes well, and what do you, or is there an area of an improvement there? It maybe walk us through the process a little bit, too. People don't understand the process often as well. You're going to have to define wrong. I'm I'm lost on the question. Well, here. so that so it's in this, would be a subjective uh, when when an officer acts in a way that he should be held accountable, okay. possibly losing his job, whether it be in the loss of a life or just in criminal behavior. What what are some things that that are, are that go right in the way our current police force is structured, and and your experiences are local departments. Okay. But and what are some things, or are there some things that you think 
could be improved or we as the church could be involved in helping to improve those things. Let me uh, let, let, let me just take uh, take everybody kind of through a, a scenario, maybe a, uh, a shooting or something like that, the, the process. Uh, after uh, Ferguson, I was actually watching uh, the, the news, which I, I don't do too much of anymore, but it they had the split screen, had uh, Rudy Giuliani on one side, and and I cannot remember the African-American gentleman's name. If I said it, everybody would recognize it, but had him in a, in a dual screen so they could argue and fight. And, uh, and Rudy Giuliani was speaking, and he turned the conversation from, you know, being about the police to all the, the deaths and the violence inside the African-American community. And, and this gentleman over here, he was, he was talking. I could tell he was irritated, you know, but his microphone wasn't on. Mm -hmm. And I actually sat there and I thought, how can you argue with that? Because the, the, the statistics are just overwhelming. And when he finally got on, he said, that's right, there is violence in the African-American community. And when an African-American shoots another African-American, he goes to jail. The police don't go to jail. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. We're talking about two different things. We're not talking about the same thing here. This is not the same thing. You know, first of all, a law enforcement officer has given an awesome responsibility. And with that responsibility is the fact that in the defense of his life or somebody else's life, he can take a life. That's an awesome responsibility. Now, when that happens on the street, a lot of things start, a lot of wheels start rolling. That officer does not go to jail automatically because, first of all, we have to, and, and let me say this, when the news media takes a, a, a shooting or a death by a police officer and they start hammering it out, they're investigating it as a homicide. We investigate every death as a homicide, whether it's police involved or not. We have to determine whether it was justified or not justified. That's the investigation. They're all homicides. Mm. So when the news throws that out there, that's no big deal. It's that's just that's, that's just, just it. That's the way it always it. is. That's the way it always is. But they'll have to investigate. They start investigating everything that went down, every little aspect, to see if that officer was in the right or in the wrong. Every single time, not just some of the times, every single time. And then from that, it, it goes into, you know, maybe it goes to a grand jury. You know, maybe it goes to the DA. You know, but at some point in time, there will be a decision that that would be either justified or unjustified. If it's unjustified, then criminal proceedings will take place. But if it's justified, mm -hmm. then that's the end of it. But when you just see it, you know, for five, six seconds, you know, and you have everybody telling you what has happened, then if you don't think we're not brainwashed in this country by the media, I, I, I would argue with you because I get caught up in it too. That's why I don't look at it too much because it pits you against somebody else without all the facts and opinions start becoming facts and opinions are not facts. Just because you say it, it doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. And I really try to keep from giving my opinion because people don't want to hear my opinion. They don't want to hear Paul Lee's opinion, but what they want to hear 
is their opinion coming out of Paul Lee's mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and let's just don't go there because everybody's got an opinion. Mm -hmm. that, that is the social media standard I want you to agree with. Me. Exactly. So, and if you don't, defriend me. No. Mm -hmm. We can sit here and disagree on things and we're still going to be friends. Mm -hmm. You know, can. We can disagree. But that is, that's the process, you know, for something like that. Uh, if a person thinks that they have been wronged by the police, they can go to internal affairs. They can call internal affairs. They, they can send emails to them. There's all sorts of ways. I mean, that, that is something that has really changed mm -hmm. over the years because it, it, it wasn't usually easy, and nobody really wanted to tell you how you could do it either. Mm -hmm. But now it's almost standard operating procedure inside departments that people know how they can get in touch with internal affairs. You know, supervisors and everybody else has to inform the a complaining public how they can do that. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason if somebody feels like they're wrong, but then it's going to have to be investigated. Mm -hmm. And investigations don't happen overnight. And, and where frustration comes in on the public, you know, they may feel like they have been wronged. And because of their feelings, that's the truth. And they want it fixed right now. I'm telling you, now go go take care of them. A lot of times they really don't even know what they want taken care of. You know, do you want him fired? Do you want it, what, do you, what is it? Mm -hmm. You know, but it's going to take time. And it goes through a chain. Yeah. And it gets reviewed and re-reviewed and looked at, you know, and fussed and argued about. You know, as it goes up, I'm telling you, there's scrutiny put into internal affairs investigations. So uh, I don't know of anything else really that, that can be done. You know, I had a, I was interviewed by a, a radio show several years ago, and they were talking, they, they brought up, and it was a Christian radio show, and they brought up the war on police. And and I told him I, I don't I don't want to downplay what's happening to law enforcement in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's terrible. But there's always been a war on police. It's always been there since the first marshal pinned on his badge, and somebody said, "I'm not doing what you say." It's it's been going on that long. And the thing about it is, it's not really a war on police. It's a war on authority. The war is against authority. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Police don't like to be told what to do. Nobody wants to be told what to do. And we can track that all the way back to heaven when Lucifer said, I'm not doing what you say, God. And God kicked him out of heaven, and before the boy hit the, hit the ground, he had a name change, Satan. Yeah, not only do we not want to hear that authority, we always think we can do it better exactly. as well. Yeah, exactly. Not only do we not want to be under your authority, we can tell you how you should be doing it. Well, and, and that's why I emphasize reading this book so much. You know, this is truth. This opens your eyes to reality. This opens your eyes to, to, to guys that have messed up, you know, their entire lives, and, you know, and it speaks to you. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, how you can keep from doing that. You know, I mean, why else would people like David be in Scripture? Exactly. I mean, there's a great example of somebody that failed over and over. Exactly. But, but he's there for us to learn from. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, when when you're when you're looking at this, 
you know, and, and you see this, everything that's in here, and, and you see the mess-ups, and you see the uh, redemption part of it. You know, it educates you. And, and the bottom line is, the more you're looking into this and the more you're looking at people through the eyes of Christ, the more you start having compassion for them and love for them, even the guys you have to deal with. You know, and people say, oh, you can't do this. Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. And you're not going to be a sucker. Mm -hmm. You still do your job. Yeah, yeah. You know, that statement, Paul, reminds me of something I've struggled with as far as you see the public reaction, such as the case of Minneapolis with George Floyd, you know, and the officers involved. My question for Christians is, which one of those do you want to see go to hell? Yeah. Mm. Because, That's I mean, we should, be, we should be looking at all of them as, as – Okay, the most important question is, do these people know Jesus or not? Yeah. Whether they messed up or not is secondary, honestly. We want to know what their eternal destination is going to be, and we so dehumanize them that we don't really care if they go to hell or not. I'm glad you said that and brought that up because uh, an area that the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers had, had failed at, and uh, it was brought to my attention in... Uh, but that's when a police officer does mess up. When a police officer really does mess up, you know, I mean, think about those guys in Minneapolis. Think about the lashing that law enforcement has given them on social media, the mm -hmm. names they've been called. You know, the first thing that happens when a cop messes up and he embarrasses his department, which embarrasses all of us and makes all of us live a hard life around the country, they turn their back on that guy. Now, we're the fellowship of Christian peace officers. Please tell me a more needy time in a man's mm -hmm. life that he would need Christ mm -hmm. and support yeah, than if yeah. he screwed up. Not saying that they're right, Yeah. but we can be there for you and, and, and be with you through this. Yeah, and that's really a good point, Paul, in that as, as Christians, we cannot get pulled into a strictly political handling of affairs that affect people because a strictly political handling of affairs that affect people denies several things that we hold dear one is that we all are made in the image of god Amen. all are deserving of love and forgiveness, or not, maybe not deserving is not the right word, but, but Christ died for all to have that opportunity. And, and then we are called, Jesus did not say, go out and find all the bad people and get rid of them. He didn't say that. I would not be here. He said, go out and tell people I love them and that I will change them. And as the church, we have to be careful um, these are our important issues, and, and we don't just simply slide them into the world of, oh, that's just the world, and we're not concerned with the world. We don't slide them into that drawer, tuck it away. We've done that. <laughs> the church has done that. That is not what we're called to do, but we're also not called to try to handle spiritual problems um, with policy. Now, there's policy that likely can be changed in many places. You know, I think some of the things that our mayor is doing, I, 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 I would like to learn more about the office of this uh, community resilience. I still don't feel like I understand 
what it is or that there's that much information. But if there's a way to care for those who have mental illness and without having to have, uh, you know, all the police show up, if you can show a way that works or that we in some way are able to use funding to help people, because I don't know how many cases um, that our police respond to that, that mental illness is involved, but I would imagine it's probably there's probably a good number. Uh, it would be great if we're looking after the holistic health of a person and not just the ability to police. But at the same time, we are called to bring a different answer to the table, and that is we are all broken. We are all consumed with the desire to sin. It controls us. We don't even know that it controls us until, until the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin. And then we have the opportunity to repent and to change. And then just as you have shared with your life, that has the opportunity to lead to change in other people's lives as well. Maybe a way for us to kind of uh, to wrap things up today. And what are some ways, because we certainly can't solve all the policy <laughs> issues no. in every department around the country. But what we do want to do is recognize that, that um, George Floyd was human, made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Ahmaud Arbery was human, made in the image of God. Um, Breonna Taylor, t another terrible story, um, is, is human, made in the image of God. And we need to celebrate them, and we need to, to mourn what happened to them. But we also need to recognize that our, our police officers are human and made in the image of God. And as the church... What would you say are some things that we can do to help in, in the area that you're most familiar with? How can the church care for so many of these officers that you've mentioned, those that, that are suicidal, those that are involved in domestic abuse, those that are struggling to come home after and, and, and rake, get, get out of their mind all the things they've seen and experienced that day or that week, that month or that year? What are some things that we as the church can do to minister to our police in our own communities. Well, you're, you're going people think it'll be cliche, but the number one thing is to pray for them over these issues. I mean, there's power in prayer. And we can talk about it all day long. We can talk about prayer all day long. But if we don't pray, it's no good. Mm -hmm. You know, we should be praying for our leaders too. You know, honestly, and, and I'll speak for me, I don't pray enough. And I get convicted of this. And I even try to keep a prayer journal. You know, but there's there's things that we should be praying for daily. You know, the people that take care of us, you know. Yeah, for, I've, I've got probably an odd example of that. People probably think this is kind of weird, but pray when you hear a siren going. Yes. Somebody's that's responding. Right. I mean, it, 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 it hits me personally because at home I'll be laying in bed and it'll be after midnight or whatever. And I'll hear a siren, and I'll be thinking through my head, I probably know at least one of those guys that's running that, that call right now. And I need to pray for them, pray mm -hmm. for their safety, pray for whatever's going on. Pray for, it may be a, a family in tragedy, you that's know, right. that they're going to go visit. And and I think that we don't pray enough, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the, that's the main thing, you know. And as the church, don't be afraid to be the church. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see police officers out, you know, if they're not, on a call, you can speak to them. Now they may look at you kind of funny because they're not—they're not used to people talking to them nice, you know. 
they may not even want to shake your hand because they're wondering what what do you want to do? What, what are your ulterior yeah, motives? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, but be just be kind to them. You you have absolutely no idea what that does for somebody to be kind to them. I mean, you you think about it nowadays. They can't even go into a restaurant anymore and sit down and be assured that their meal has not been tainted mm-hmm. in some way. Now, this is bizarre stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is stuff they think about. And, and here's the other thing you should pray for. Pray for their families. Mm-hmm. Because, you see, while they're at work, you know, when I went to, I went to work, this was my job. That, that's what cops do. We, they get dressed every day. They mm-hmm. go to work. But the spouse and the children are at home getting fed the news and the media, and they're just as much misery sitting there in that house, probably more so than, than the guys are on the street because the guys are at work. They're, yeah. they're doing their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Christina Christina mentions here, which is is so true, is this: it's not a ministry to a police officer is not just a ministry to a police officer. It's also a ministry to his family because – they're going. They're not on the job. Right. But they are on the job. They are on the job. And, you know, they're when they say goodbye. Each day, that, that could especially when maybe 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 that goes through an officer's mind every day. Maybe it just goes through. Maybe it's just times during now. I don't know. Maybe it it is every day. But, um, but that is this the last time that we'll say goodbye. So. You know, ministering to those families, and we just have to be so careful. I, I don't want to be lumped in with all the pastors I know. Yeah. Like, I want to be lumped in with some of them because, I, I mean, I think they're fantastic people. But some of them, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be associated with them. Just like none of us want to be associated with all our coworkers or all our peers, sometimes not even everyone in our family at times. Uh, Emma's shaking her head. She's in agreement with that. <laughs> but we, none of us like to be lumped in with everybody. That's the whole problem of racism. Yeah, that's right. And yet we have to also be careful that we're not doing that to our our police officers. We're not lump, we're not lumping them all in. Not all police officers want to be associated with other police officers. We one of the beauties of Christ is that He sees each of us. Mm-hmm. As individuals. As individuals, he sees us as someone who bears his image, that he loves. He knows each of our individual stories. He, he, he knows all of our individual failings and yet still works a way for us to be forgiven and to have a relationship with him that lasts all into eternity. Yeah. He sees that, and, he, and it doesn't matter if we're with six other people. He sees us as individuals, and that's why we, we titled this series, What Do You See? That is what we endeavor to do, is we want to see the individual, what's going on in their lives. We want them to know that we see them and know that they are loved because we've experienced that love ourselves. We want to see them as Jesus sees them. Yeah. Right. So I would I would encourage us as a church we need to I I I believe we we need to be involved in in whatever policy decisions any citizen or group is able to be involved with we need to be aware we need to be educated and our education if it comes from Facebook then we are not educated <laughs> not we are educated. not educated and and it but it needs to be educated and we need to be involved and we need to be a voice that, of accountability. Do you know what? We also need to be a voice of celebration. 
We need to be a voice who says, thank you. Thank you for your work and for your sacrifice. Thank you for stepping in there where it, it, it put you at risk, but you made sure these people weren't at risk. And, and I have just learned, just even as a pastor, that you know, is nowhere near what, what a police officer goes through. I, I've, even, I've learned when somebody comes up to me and they're like, every time I see him, I know, and, and we don't have those folks here, but I have had that before. And every he's time covering all him, his bases. Just I'm in case like, he's talking about you, he's really not. Yeah. <laughs> every time they come up to me, I know I'm about to get it. I don't know what about, yeah. but I'm about to get it. And I, when I see them, I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to love them because you told me to love them, but I don't want to love them. And, but, but yet someone who comes up and builds a relationship with me and says, you know what, Mark, I love you and great job today. And then next week comes and says, Mark, you really messed everything up. I am going to be way more interested in listening to that because yeah. I know that they see me. Yeah. They care about me and yeah. they love me. And so I want to know what I've done or what I need to change. And I just believe that our police would likely want the same thing that any of us would want. And that is the opportunity to be seen as people and to be loved. To be held accountable is a part of our role as citizens. But to be loving them and all the other times, which I would bet are way more times than we're going to have to hold accountable, to love them well is, is a call that that's what I think that it looks like to be the church and ways that we can do that. And, and as a church, we are working on ways that we can partner with our law enforcement communities, that we can be an encouraging voice, and we can build relationships, and we can be a ministry there to say we love you we care about you and it doesn't mean that we have to buy into the idea that i'm either for or against that's another lie and and that's one thing we've covered so much in this series is you've either got to be against racism you've got to be against the cops you've got to pick a side you know there's god's side you know it was uh uh, it was joseph when they were fixing to to storm jericho Mm -hmm. you know he he's just taking that stroll kind of getting the lay of the land and all of a sudden, there's this angel, yeah. you know, dressed in his his battle gear. You know, he's ready to go to war. And basically, he says, are you for us or against us? He said, neither. Mm-hmm. I'm from God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on God's side. God is, I'm here to take over. Yeah. You know, I'm not picking a side. I'm here to take over. Yeah. And that's, that's what Jesus stands for. He's here to yeah. take over. We've got to let him take over. We've got to quit going, Jesus, we need your help. And, but I'm going to take care of this over here. Right. You know, we've got to let that go. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It, it, it's not easy. Yeah. And, you know, for the public, the public should demand excellence yeah. from its government, from the police officer all the way up, from the school board mm-hmm. all the way up to the White mm-hmm. House. But I'll tell you right now that the, the, the problems that we're facing in this nation will not be fixed from the White House. They will have to be fixed from the mm-hmm. church house. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. Because yeah, no good. government program that's forced down somebody's throat will work. That's but right. when we come together as the church, voluntarily, in true love of Jesus Christ as the common denominator, to work at, well, just like we're doing in Kingdom Partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we now have the right to sit there and talk to each other, and the other person wants to listen even if it hurts. It's a beautiful thing. You, you, it's a beautiful you've got thing. To, because we're friends. 
I, I want to hear from you. I want mm -hmm. to hear the truth yeah. from you. We're, we're not there to push our opinions no. on each other. We're there to share. Yeah. And build to relationships. Listen yeah. here and build relationships. Yeah. Be, to be better. To That's be it. better. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. My, my wife here commented that she says that maybe when we see an officer, besides just thanking them for their service, we should add, and we're praying for you and your family. Oh, yeah. yeah. Invite them to church. Yeah. You you said that this week. You said one of the best things you can do for a police officers is invite them to church. Yeah. Yeah. So if any of my friends are watching, you guys are invited to Journey Church okay. in two weeks. Yeah. You just uh, done. You've just invited them all. You don't have anything else to do. Yeah. Um, when, you've got a, when you've got a video platform, it makes it so it makes, much easier. I don't have to contact you individually, guys. You all know, so yeah. you're invited. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I want to thank you for being here with us. You know, we each of these conversations are real just scratching the surface oh, conversations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so many other things that we can talk through. And as a church, we want to continue that conversation. We, we've, we debated on whether to have this conversation now because everything, everyone's talking about it and everybody's kind of throwing their ten, you know, two cents in. We thought, well, maybe we should wait. But we felt like because this is really a global outcry, we need to talk about this. But we would like for you to come back and have another conversation sure. with you down the road when things when, when things are less emotionally heated and we can have another conversation, I'd like for us to do that as well as our other speakers that have been here. But I'd also just like to pray with you. Sure. Was there anything that you wanted to make sure we covered that we haven't covered no, today? I, I think we've, we've been pretty good today. And, 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 of course, we could go for another hour covering yeah. all the issues. Yeah, things, yeah. But I think the, the main thing was that the gospel overrides all of this. It's, and that's that's the message we want. We want our, our friends, we, we want those people we're praying for to know that Jesus is the answer right. to all of this in the politics and the policies and all that are, you know, we can have influence there, but we need to influence as Christ with influence. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that we have, I've been so happy about everyone that we've invited to be here. They love Jesus more than their issue. Yeah, that's right. And as the church, we have to get to that place. Yeah. And when we love Jesus more than our issue, that informs how we deal with our issue, how we talk about it, how we solve problems with it. And it has to be as the church. If it, if, if for us, if it doesn't, you know, begin and end with Jesus, then why are we talking mm -hmm. about it? So. And, and as the church, we have not been good about dealing with the issues as Christians. And as the church, we've yeah. just kind of ignored them sometimes. And so we also don't want to be guilty of that. That's right. That's right. All right, well, I'd like to pray sure. for you, for your ministry, and uh, for those police officers on the street in our congregation and um, those that are going through all the things that you shared with us today. Father, God, I thank you for Paul and his, I, I thank you for his testimony, uh, first and foremost, that, that not only did you seek him out as a testament of your love, your grace, and that you wanted Paul to be a part of your family, but also mm -hmm. a testament to his willingness to listen to the, the prodding of the Holy Spirit within his own life. And just thank you for the testimony of a changed life that reminds us that that is why we follow Jesus, yeah. not to follow rules, not to go to church, but because you change our hearts. Yeah. And Father, we pray for all those who are patrolling today, all those who are making decisions today. We pray for those officers who are getting in their car right now and they feel that their life is a wreck and it is falling apart and they have no hope because God that is who you want us to reach you want us to find them and show them share them 
uh, your, not only your love, but there is a way forward even in the midst of all of the misery that they're dealing with on yes. everyday basis. Father, we pray for that family that is struggling because of the demands of, of his job or her job, because of the stresses that it brings, because of the fears that they constantly live with. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for just peace and calm over their home so that when they are home, they are home yes. and they can rest and they can uh, enjoy their families and they can hope and dream and they can live fully. Father, we pray for our city. We pray for our, our, our officials. Yes who are making decisions, some we understand and some we don't understand. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would just bring a clarity on, on our city here in Chattanooga on how we move forward as a unified people. Father, I pray for our, our churches that we would cease acting like individual entities and recognize we are united on purpose. God has called us to be his body, one body. He is our head. We are not the head. Our committees are not the head. Our pastors, our elders, we are not the head of this thing. You are the head of this thing. And in each of our churches, we're just a part of your body that are all working together mm. to, to accomplish your plan. And I pray that you would bring that unity, but not just unity that we are happy together, but we are, are unified in purpose. Yes. We are uni unified in message. We are unified in our love. And I pray that we would share that to each of the communities that we've been talking about these last few weeks. But I pray that we would also show it to our police. I pray that, that what Paul has said would not continue to be true with us, that we do care about our police officers. We do care about them putting their lives on the line. We do care about the sacrifices that they're willing to make. And we do care that they are living in a, in a life of, of needing to live perfectly in, in ways that we ourselves cannot live. And so, Father, I pray that you would, uh, you would do an incredible move throughout each of the police departments in our area, that your word would spread throughout them, and that the gospel would liberate the, the, the captives, and that what is so incredible about the gospel is those that um, put others in prison themselves are often the ones who are most captive. Yes. And so, Father, we pray for freedom from these things. We do pray for these situations where things have gone wrong, they have gone bad. We pray, Father, for for healing in times where there seems to be no possible healing. We, we, we pray for comfort when there seems to be no possible yes. comfort. Father, I pray that we would take the time to be an informed people, that we would be involved in the areas of, of policies and voting that we can, but we would vote through the lens of, of Christ. Yes. Because what we desire are for all people to come to know mm. him, all people to live lives that are full of hope, full of excitement, full of joy. And Father, we know that until you return, that we are going to live in a broken world. Yes. And in that broken world, we are going to continue to see these things. I pray that as the church, we would begin to demonstrate love more fully, more frequently. And Father, that we would begin to see this change happening with us. I thank you for Paul. I thank you for the officers who, who, who give their lives uh, to keep us safe. And Father, I pray for wisdom as we all move forward. And how do, we, how do we make this a better place for everyone? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Paul, thank you. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for what you're doing for our police officers. We pray that that will continue to grow. Your influence will grow with police officers, and you'll have an opportunity to see the gospel spread through all Amen. those that you work with. I appreciate with. that.
Thank All you right. for having me. Thank you for being Thank you with for us. Being here. We're going to um, we're going to we have one more song, I think, unless our if our worship team is still here, and uh, we're going to do that, and then join us next week. Next week is going to be our last week in this series. We're going to have our friends from Kingdom Partners, uh, and they're going to be bringing some friends with them, and they want to talk specifically about how do we work together and how are we unified. Um, in these areas. And I, I, if you don't remember them being with us, uh, we'll share that on Facebook so you can, can watch our last time that we had them here. And I know that you'll be blessed and you'll, I just, I know that God is going to continue to work for unity um, through all of us. So thank you for being here. We're going to worship one more time and we'll see you next week.